ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Hunter Hart, baby. How are you, brother? Thanks for coming on ATV Talk. Oh, we're doing better than ever, dude. It's good to be back. We're uh, down here in Florida just getting things together for round one. Coming up, we've got 20, 26 days now till round one. She's closing in quick for us over here on the East Coast. Yeah, well, you missed round one on the West Coast. I know. Yeah. I'll be back. I'll be back. Bo, Bo better, you know, keep watching over his over his right shoulder because I'll be there one of these times. You know, once once we get a West Coast setup, we'll we'll be there. Hey, Johnny's West Coast setup looked really good. Totally different than he was last time. It, it, when the race started, Bo was in the lead. Roberto was in second. Damon was in third. Johnny was in fourth. Hey, that that's good to know because I'm going to copy exactly what Johnny's coast uh, West Coast <laughs> setup is, and we're going to go right with it. I, I figured I'd let Johnny figure it out first, and then I'll just be like, yo, Johnny, what what would you do, bud? And he'll be like, well, I, I did this. And I'll be like, all right, perfect throw it on <laughs> that's too funny that's so, that's the beauty of running the same sponsors you know hauser hauser racing a arms and stems and fox racing shocks you know johnny g and i share those and we're able to kind of par off each other on stuff like this though that's awesome so let's go back in time a little bit and talk about your trip west yeah yeah that was great that uh it feels like a lifetime ago at this point you know uh what was that november was that yes yeah, so it uh, basically, I kind of joked about it a lot. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go west and do a uh, works race one of these times. And they ended up, you know, finally decided that it, that the schedule worked out to where I could do the works race. What? Oh, yeah. And um, I ended up deciding that we were going to go do the works race. And it kind of was not really spur of the moment because I decided mid-summer that I was going to go go out and do mess with my buddy josh man i was like yo josh let's let's go do the works race and josh was like you think and i was like yeah it'll be sick and uh he goes okay i'm in and uh we basically ended up i called josh about a week and a half before we left or two and a half weeks and i was like josh i'm going to the works you're going 
And he was like, I'm in, dude. And he packed his bags and I picked him up on the way. And then we headed headed out to see you guys. And it was great. You know, Corey Ellis and Johnny G took us in like uh, with some superior hospitality. We hung out with those guys, got to see Sand Hollow and everything that was there, hung out with Logan Huff. And uh, yeah, it was sweet. And then we uh, went to the went to the race. You know, it probably wasn't the best thing because not only were we three hours behind what I usually would have been, right? Is that yep. my... Am I right? Okay. So I was three hours behind. So, and then, uh, we'd never been to Vegas. So they're like, let's go out. We, uh, went out to Vegas and it kind of just like the time slowly slept, uh, slipped away from us. And I was like, man, I was like, Josh, it's like four 30 in the morning at home. He's like, oh yeah, we're screwed. I'm like, yeah, we went to bed when we got back to the hotel, which was like, I think we got back to the hotel and prim at like 2 AM and we woke up at like eight or so. And I was like, all right, this is going to be an interesting day. We, uh, I had a street taco and two Red Bulls and we were ready to go. <laughs> Red Bulls are not normally the diet of a professional racer. Hey, they, uh, they're, they're the superior energy drink for a reason. <laughs> let, let me ask you a question. I know me and you had exchanged some text messages and I didn't give you a, a positive one way or another answer. I kind of left mm-hmm. it up into your court. What was the deciding factor to run a narrow machine? Oh, I, uh, it, I, I didn't know how a West Coast setup would feel. And I knew going in what my East Coast setup would do. You know, I knew what it would do in the rough stuff. I knew about how it would corner. And it was just the familiarity of it. I knew that if I went out with an East Coast setup, I knew what it was going to do about. And if I went in with a West Coast setup, I was going completely blind with, say, two days of, of uh, prep time on it. So it was more so a comfort thing than anything that I knew deep down that if I I'd be kind of putting myself already at a disadvantage if I went with the West coast setup, because I'd, I'd never run it. You know, it, it'd be literally like if you forever, if you forever drove your car and then you decided that it was time to drive a monster truck, you know, you, you, you'd have no idea what you were doing and everything would seem like it was coming at you a lot quicker than say what you were used to. Right. Um, what is your, analysis of what you learned running the narrow out on the west coast oh man we can hang it out way more now here you know we're uh down in croom we definitely we learned that we can stretch everything a little bit further than i uh even thought was possible but um no it was good i mean the probably the biggest learning learning piece for me was just that you know you guys are so fast through through like the big open chop, you know, like literally where usually back here on the East coast, we kind of, we don't get that big chop because there's trees. So you legitimately are, are spacing the trees where out there, you guys basically literally just kind of like let it float on the top and skip. And I was like, man, this is weird. Like, because we would be coming in with so much more speed than I was used to. And the bike, I mean, literally we were fourth gear wide open. And I'm like, we, we never hit those speeds back here. Like, cause it's just so much tighter and so much twistier. And it was kind of one of those things where it was almost, it was almost a, a key piece for me because I was able to reevaluate how fast I go over here and be like, man, we can, we can click it up a little bit more everywhere. And that was kind of one of the beneficiaries to running my, my setup that I'm going to race on here in a couple of weeks out there is that I knew, I know that I can go a so much faster on the setup and the bike can do it as well. I just, you know, don't want to tag a tree or anything like that. And, and uh, that's just the biggest thing is that you can just basically go so much faster it's it's one of those things that once you feel you can go that much faster you can replicate it it's one of those things you have to kind of see it before you can believe it and that was one of the biggest things that i learned you know out on the out on the west coast 
was the chop scary for you? No, it was, it wasn't bad because it was, it was roller chop other than the occasional square edge. It was kind of like kind of rolling, rolling through it where back here, cause it's such a shorter acceleration. We get a lot of square edges. Like we'll come out of the corner. It's like, and you'll hit it. And it'll just kind of kick the rear end where you guys were kind of like coming out of the corners and just kind of float that front end. And it would basically make the bike so much more stable, almost at speed. And that was the biggest thing that uh, Josh and I were talking about on the way home is that he was gaining a little like smidgens out there too. You know, like East coast, you can shave off 30 seconds a lap and that you're like, damn guy was shredding, you know, out there, you guys are shaving say two, three seconds a lap. And I think the biggest piece there is, is that, uh, once it was getting so much deeper and rougher, Josh was able to kind of like float on the top of them where I was having to be so much more precise with where I was putting the bike because I was so much more narrow that it basically would kind of want to skip out on me if I wasn't exactly perfect where I was. So if you were to come back to the West Coast, do you see the advantage of running wider? Oh, we're going big. We're going big stuff all day. We're coming out with a monster truck. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming uh, out with a monster truck and we're going to call my boy, Tom Alaska and tell him we need some more ponies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know what? We, uh, we may or may not have put up a Jersey barrier at my house in New York. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to laugh so much, but mother, you got, you got me going here. <laughs> oh, trust me. Hey, I mean, I got passed one time in the mulch section at John Penton. I, uh, I went home that Monday and, uh, I had 30 truckloads of mulch dropped off of the house and built, built a mulch loop. Cause I was like, never getting past here again. And that was basically what we did. And it, uh, haven't gotten past in a mulch pile since then. So call me, call me crazy or call me innovative one way or the other. We're, we're making progress. Uh, you gotta be a little of both, right? You gotta be a little of both. <laughs> That's um, right. You mentioned edges. So they weren't yep. that many edges. Um, did those give you with the narrow setup, did they cause the disruption in the machine at all? No. So it wasn't really the edges. It was the occasional hole. Like we'd be mid berm and a lot of those guys, like I was watching them, they, they'd kind of come in and they were able to just run so much wider and just almost apex the corner better than I could because I'd go in and I was so, so narrow that everybody was on the wide setup. So I was kind of, I'd almost teeter totter between the two ruts. And that was what was one of the big issues for me is I was coming in and it would almost want to go left. Okay. Catch right left. And that was almost the issue down the straightaways too, is when it was real rutted, I would be going and the bike would want to go left, right, left, right, left, right. Because it was falling between the two ruts and almost fishtailing was what I was, was what I was feeling a lot of out there. Right. Do you think a taller tire would have helped you? Um, no, I think I would have given up too much, uh, speed and control into the corners. You know, I, if I was to say run the 22, 23 setup or the 23, 22, which we run in the mud, I don't think it would have reacted the same. I think the bike would have wanted to almost come over me even more. And it would have even, it would have even exaggerated the bumps even more with the narrow setup, because I know in the mud over here, when we run the big tires, it, it definitely feels like it wants to come over a little bit. And like, that's what we call our monster trucks when we've got those big tires. But I think if, if I had the wide setup on the big tires, it would feel almost like a regular bike does back here versus how your guys' West coast setup would feel. Okay. We, we don't very seldom do they run the super tall tires uh, in the works. You know, there's an, well, that's I don't think it's rained out there in 36 years, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not been that long you know maybe at prim maybe at prim it's been that long 
But yeah, actually, I take that back. A December ago, it was a mud hole. Really? That's the, see, that's where I would have excelled. You know, you guys would have shown up, wouldn't have known about mud prep or anything like that. And the East coast boys would have been ready. Uh, well, we know a little bit about mud prep. Not, a, not, as much <laughs> as you guys. not, not even close to as much as you guys do, but, but we know a we, little, we break out the fire extinguishers doubled up on goggles and everything. <laughs> oh, you guys are killing me, man. You're killing me. So what was your favorite part of the, uh, of the works course? The part where I figured out that I was actually third instead of fourth, that, that reigned supreme on the whole thing. <laughs> well, it was, it was over then. Yeah, that's right. But, but I, deep down, I had reason that I was fourth. I was like, hey, you know, that was a good day. You know, came out, got fourth, you know, we'll, we'll go back home. We'll come back. And they're like, nah, dude, you, you got third. I'm like, oh, sick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's definitely the top. That's, uh, you know, nothing against the track or anything. Track was great, but that's, that's the highlight. Well, it was because it was a totally different world for you. You know, your, your buddy, Josh, I had a little conversation with him, but he wanted to pass you so bad. Uh, yeah. I uh, wasn't going to let that happen. Fortunately, I had been in those last lap battles a good bit. And um, Josh was like, I've never been here. He was like, I've never been in that last lap battle. And I was like, yeah, I, I could tell. And I was like, buddy, I just, I knew that if I ran those insides and I knew he had one spot that he was going to try and pass me, which was over that double right before the finish line. So I basically ran the bike right up the middle of the line to where Josh couldn't go left or right and have enough space. And I was like, all right, we're in clear now. What if, what if the K rail would have worked for him? Um, I would have gone faster. Really? We, 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 we had a smidgen left that I could have wicked out if I had to, but I didn't. That would have been like on the complete threshold of complete world just coming apart. And I was like, eh, we're not going not gonna to break that loose. Were, were you feeling that you were gaining on Damon? Yeah, we, I was. I could see him. I'd close in every single lap. He'd hit that stupid K rail, and then he was gone. Every single lap. I'd close back in, hit that K rail, back to the 12, 13 seconds down. Close into like six or seven, back to the 13. Every single, it was like a yo-yo. And um, it was, I was like, and then the last lap I tried to hit the K-Rail and it, it didn't go well. I like bounced off of it. And, and did Josh have the same problems with you? Mm, Josh made it over, but Josh, uh, Josh ended up, he caught me when I bounced off of it. Cause so we had to run a lot of air pressure in my fork or my shocks to get them to sit high enough to combat the narrow setup. So we usually run, you know, mid fifties on shock pressure. I was, I was low seventies at the works race. So, I mean, I literally had 20 pounds more air. So I like, would, I pogoed into it and Marcos, you bounced back like a ping pong ball. I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it, it happens. And then you, then you got over it. Did you take a different line? No, I had to like do a 180 and then I took the bypass. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And Josh got over it. No, Josh ended up following me through the bypass. Oh. I think, or he hit the K. I'm not sure. That's a good, that's a good question. I really don't know. You came out. I don't know. Yeah. Cause yeah, you guys came onto the asphalt. It, it, it was a dog fight. You guys were, he was. Oh yeah. Dead. Yeah. Luckily I knew that I was going to be able to out corner my buddy Josh there. So that was where the East coast setup worked well is I was able to kind of float the rear end in. Cause I'd been floating the rear end in that corner all day. 
And I knew that I could basically slide it in and pivot out quick. And um, I was just able to do that the last lap flawlessly. And we were, we were set. So the bonus to the narrow is the fact that it gets better traction coming out of the turns. Right. It pivots. The, it's the pivot of it. That is, I can, it's basically, I can turn it so much sharper. It's, it's like turning anything, you know, if you turn a sports car versus a bike that's slightly longer, the turning radius is what it is. I do, think. You, do you Maybe. guys shorten the length of the machine at all? No. So it's the same length, but we're just so much narrower that I think it turns sharper. Maybe. I don't know. Mark will probably call me up after he listens and be like, no, buddy, you're, you're completely wrong. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> well, I was, I was thinking a wider bike would drift through the turn better, but I it think probably would. You're totally right on the drive out of the turn, though. Yeah, because it's lower, more squatted, and off we go. Well, the narrow, the narrow is better traction. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So as you widen them, you lose straight ahead drive. Right. Did Did you have to change your tire setup from back? No, I didn't. Uh, I put a little more air in for out west. I put a little more air in, and um, I should have changed the gearing, but I didn't change gearing. You know, there's a couple things I would have done, but I, di I didn't want to mess with it because I didn't know what to expect. So like now that I know what to expect, I would tweak it a little bit more and probably work on some, some paved asphalt roads for, for top speed. You know, you, you guys will see a video of me out there on, on the highway, just wide open, tough, just depending on, depending on which course you come to is depending on what you should prep for. Yeah. I hear, I hear the ones up in like Washington are much more like what we've got back East. Uh, one of them is one of them is a lot like uh, more of a woods race. Uh, there's, it's still wide open in some areas because we still run wide bikes. Um, yep. When you go to Havasu, I don't think, I don't think you can get away with a narrow. Um, no, I hear, I hear that one's rough. I hear that one is a rough, rough mes girl. Mesquite. You couldn't get away with it. I don't think it's just brutal. Yeah. yeah that's what I hear is they're just super, super rough. Let me ask you this. Do you do much crossover motocross for jumping no. like that? Not, not much. I mean, I've got a, I've got a decent moto track at the house that I, that I built because I needed, needed something that was more fun to just kind of break up the woods loops. But um, no, I don't do a ton of moto. I'll try to, I'll try to hit some moto here and there, but it's never, never as much as you probably need. But you know, I mean, then again, the, we, we rarely have any races that have much of any, moto in them anymore you know they've kind of basically cut out all the moto that we'd ever touch back east so it doesn't really it doesn't really pay off for us to run much moto or even practice on it other than just just for the cool factor of it you know the fun fun factor what about iron man you guys have talked about it being fast and wider than most could you run yes. a wide bike there i think you could i mean we were we were talking about it and if it's if it's a wide Ironman, you could. If it's a narrow Ironman, you can't. Because you'll get two Ironmans. You know, it depends on how they want to lay the track out. If they lay it out, like, fast, like we had as our finale this year, then you could have run a wide bike there and you would have been perfect. But if it's, say, a narrow Ironman like we had in the spring, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't get away with it. Because you'll get in the tight stuff and it's, and it's snug. You know, where that's where you'd lose, I think you'd lose more than you would gain on a wide bike. So running cross country IRMs arms and tightening up the the spacers on the axle would would give you the benefit there. Exactly. Yes. Depending on depending on which Ironman, but there are a lot of fields at Ironman. Do you run balls or or blocks? Balls. Yep. We're we're a tire balls kind of guy. We've been tire balls since 2014. Tire balls and Maxis. Is it is it because that's what where tire balls is is back there and there's people that support it more 
Uh, no, it's, it's a plusher ride. So that's, that's where the balls come in is we can play with the air pressure a lot more and we can, you know, for you guys, you guys don't have to worry as much about say getting perfect traction because it's so dry where for us, we get into a lot of slick stuff like hard pack clay that basically just gets glazed off and there's no traction. I mean, literally if it rains at John Penton, you, you could go out there with a pair of ice skates and just skate around and you would be, you know, you'd probably win the overall, but I mean, it is so slick at some of them. Like you'll, you'll see some of the videos and they're, you're just coming in and it's just a full drift. Like if it, if it rains at all on some of them, it's, it's like a pure ice skating rink. And that's where the, um, the tire balls work out well, because we can play with not only the air pressure around the tire, we can also drop the tire ball pressure as well to get more of that forward corner drive and stuff like that. Well, I've done some desert racing stuff with it and we use the, the balls um, in some of the machines that I've ran uh, I've ran, I've done, I've done great. I've won with balls and I've won with blocks in the West coast. So I'm not telling you that either one is better for the West coast. Um, the science right now that Kenny hit from blocks has on the West coast, it's pretty solid, you know? Yeah. I mean, hard to argue with, I mean, but Danny Prather of the West coast tire ball guy, he's pretty, he's pretty smart and he's ran a lot of tire balls. So it's, you're, you're, you're juggling that scale there, you know? Absolutely. I think it's 50 cents one way, half a dollar the other, you know, so that's, that's the easiest them. way to look at it. I know that uh, Johnny could talk about this because back when tire balls was, was coming into play, they would go get the balls out of the um, kitty, the, the kid zone, the kitty, the Walmart kitty balls. Yeah. And put those in tires. Yeah. So that's the, that's the cheaper alternative. You'll see a lot of people, you know, that are, that are running on a pretty tight off-road budget. They'll do that instead because they're, you know, a dollar a piece, I think there's something like that, but they're, they're not as durable, you know, like my tire balls, they'll last a full season, you know, two, I've got some that are probably four or five years old where those, those will kind of, you'll, you'll pop those. You'll pop a lot more of those than you will say a tire ball. And they're not as, they're not as form fitting. Like the fronts are probably pretty close but the rears, the rear tire balls fit perfectly in the tire where the, the Barbie balls almost don't fit as well because you'll have two of them and they'll kind of, they'll shift around a lot more. So when you put a tire ball in there um, and you pop a ball, how much vibration do you get? Minimal. You'll have to pop. I find that about five pop tire balls you'll feel. That's when you'll get a good amount of, that's when you'll feel a good amount of vibration, but up to five, you won't feel it. You know, four, you might get a little shake three. You're not going to notice two. You're definitely not going to notice one. You're going to think is the tire's fine, but anything over five, you'll, you'll start to feel. Have you ever had that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, practice stuff when I go, you know, month and a half, two months on a set of tires that have no maintenance, you know, I'll, I'll feel them in there. And, but you know, race stuff, very minimal, you know, race stuff, tire balls are, are, are your friend, you know, I mean, you could literally slice a sidewall and it'll be perfectly fine, which, you know, at our, at our toughest race of the year, snowshoe, I want to go on record and say all four of my tires held the same exact air we started with and all 13 tire balls and each tire were still inflated. And that's unheard of. I'm assuming unheard of at snowshoe snowshoe. I mean, um, they, you'll just, they shred tires there. I mean, literally the tires are just trashed afterwards because it's such a, a sandy, silty rock that it literally looks like you put a tire on a grinding wheel and just let the thing spin till there's nothing left. I mean, the tires are shot. Like they were so shot that we did a McGill myself and Walker all did burnouts at the end because they were just that trashed. Wow. And, and 
Well, you did burnouts at the end of the race. It works too. Well, those tires, you know, they were bald too. They, you know, once the tires are bald, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to burn those things off till there's nothing left. (laughs) They're, they're gone. You know, they're, they're getting melted off. So when you came to start calling sponsors about what happened in works, how excited were they for you? Oh, they were pumped. You know, a lot of them were super pumped. Uh, Maxis was super cool. They, uh, they were super excited that we went out and did that. You know, great. It's, it's just great brand recognition for everybody. You know, Fly loved it. Um, Scott Goggles loved it. You know, a lot of the big ones that, that uh, are super heavily invested. I mean, Spider Graphics whipped me up a fresh set of graphics right off, you know, literally right off the cusp. I think I call them on like a Monday, they happened to me on Wednesday. And, you know, just every, all my sponsors were super pumped on it because it was something different. You know, like I'd never done it. And I was like, guys, I don't know how we're going to go do, but we're going to go, we're going to go for your glory. And when I came back there, like, dude, that was sick. Like we were, we were pumped on it. And I was like, that was, that, it definitely sat well with a lot of them. I'll say. That's awesome. Do you think that if you go to a different works course, the result's going to be the same? I'd, I'd like to think so. You know, that top, I'd like to be top five again. I think if I came with a proper setup, we could be definitely, definitely more, more in the hunt. You know, I mean, a lot of them were like, dude, you brought a knife to a gunfight. And I was like, well, I don't think so. But you know, at the end I'm like, you know, there, there might've been something to that because I mean, it was just definitely watching, watching the guys that were able to just, they were just kind of, they were able to just ride through it smoother than I was. I mean, because it was, you know, they had more travel and, and stuff like that, which it's not excuses. I mean, I, I knew what I was bringing, you know, I, I made the choice myself and, uh, and we lived with it, you know, I mean, we, we made it work and I think we could definitely make, make a West coast setup work a little better. I don't know if you brought a knife to a gunfight, you might've brought a BB gun to a shooting contest, you know, <laughs> they we're all using 50 cows and you were using a BB gun. No, it's yeah. not even that drastic, but you understand what I'm getting at. I think. Oh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Like you and I texted back and forth. My theory behind what I told you was you have to be a hundred percent comfortable. And right. And, and I was, you know, on the, on the East coast setup, we were good. And I think that's way more important than, than changing something just to come right at once. Right. Exactly. And that was the other thing is I had to mentally be able to reason ordering another set of shocks, ordering a set of a arms, you know, getting the different hubs and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense right now. Like if I go down the road, I'm like, I'm going to do some more of these. Absolutely. All day. We're going to order, we're going to order the stuff we need. But for the first one, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if I'd go out there and, and love it or if I'd go out there and be like, man, this is, uh, I'm not, not cut out for this. I'm going back to the trees, you know, and, and it was good. It, it definitely exceeded our expectations. You know, I was super happy with the way we performed out there and it, I was happy enough to where we're, we're where we'll be back, but um, you know, it'll be good. I wish that we definitely could get, you know, the works to be a little closer than 36 hours, but Hey, <laughs> we can, we can deal with that. Well, Utah, Idaho is a couple hours closer. Not many. Oh, okay. Oh, a few. You know, shave, <laughs> shave. Good. You know, instead of being 62 hours round trip, you know, we'll be like 20 or like 52. Let's go. Great. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. I'll pack. I'll start packing now. I got, I got to go, Leonard. I got to go to pack the van. I'm headed to work. <laughs> well, you got a couple of days before you got to be here because it's not till the 12th. Oh, well, I mean, I better leave soon though. It takes days. <laughs> Uh, that is awesome. You're always, I enjoy, really, really enjoy having you on because guys, you always make me laugh. My gut hurts afterwards. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. So the real question is we got to get Bo or Travis or, 
uh, Mike to come out and rip a, rip a GNCC. You know, if they need a place to stay, got a place in New York, they can come up, we'll get them dialed in. Travis and I are already talking about it. Dude, you guys come on up to New York. We got a couple that are fairly close. And um, you you pick the one you think, and I'll tell you if you're crazy or if that'll be a decent one. We want the one that's wide open. Oh, that's Iron Man. Definitely. Yeah. Iron Man's definitely our fastest one. And that's and that's the one that we we're we we're talking about it. Um, a lot. You are of- flirting with with fire, though. Iron Man can either be perfect, best the best dirt you'll ever see. It'll either be a little dusty, or you'll get a complete mutter. Where I mean, you're you're swimming, and and those are the three conditions that you will be guaranteed to get at Iron Man. We'll uh, we'll we'll hope it's dusty because we could we can all we can ride in the dust. That's right. Um, no, I, it's something that, that has to be talked about. I know Bo would probably be interested in it as well. Um, you know, he, Bo was supposed to ride a 250R that weekend because he'd already clinched. Yep. And why we're, t- why we're mentioning that, what do you think of Bo Barron? Bo's, Bo's hilarious. He, uh, he's definitely a good guy. You know, you come in and you're, you kind of hear about the dude and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know how he's going to be. And, and he started talking with us and he was, he was great, you know, absolute character. And, uh, I was impressed with him, you know, and I was like, he's, he's a solid dude, solid dude to represent ATVs on the West coast. And he can ride. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I came by on the last lap in the pits and Bo's chugging a beer, I'm like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Did he live yeah. for that? You know? Oh, he, he definitely does. His, his motorized skateboard that he was telling us he rode down to the gas station because he needed to go pick some stuff up. I'm like, who does that? He's like, Oh, I do. I'm like, yeah, you do. You know, he's a kick. He, I think he's a champion's champion because he's so personable with everybody. And oh, absolutely. Know, if you talk to the guys on the on the pro line or the pro am line, every one of them have went to Bo for assistance. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Bo's Bo knows Bo knows the thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. Well, yeah, and he's not afraid to give him a secret. No, definitely not. Which which tells you that Bo knows more than he's letting on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> That, that's the thing, man. He's been around for years and years and years. That's right. Let's get in. Let's get into what I really, really want to know. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. You have a two plate in the XC class and yeah. that's not a, that's not a lightweight plate. You have some guys behind you that are starving for victory. And you have a guy in front of you. That's a seven time champ. So you, you're the mush between the two rocks. How hard are you training and are you ready for this task? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's good. I've been down in Florida since uh, mid-December, and we've, we've just been putting, putting in a lot of good laps. You know, I mean, we, I'm very fortunate down here in Florida to be able to go to Kroom, which, if nobody knows, it's 2,600 acres of riding. You know, go there every year, and they're absolutely phenomenal people there. They basically welcome us in every year. And yeah, I mean, we've just been putting in a solid, solid grind this, what's it now we're going on, uh, just on almost a full month and a half now. And we've got just shy of 20, 28 days till round one for us. So we're just going to basically keep, keep going along with it. And the biggest thing is not change anything. You know, I mean, I've got a recipe that works. I just need to follow it and know that it'll work to what we know it can do. And, um, I've had two, two locals down here at FTRs. I ended up winning both of those, which is, you know, I like to just kind of hopefully set the tone for the rest of the year by able, by being able to come out to those and just, you know, 
show the speed and just get a good feel for, for race day. Because I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's, there's no replacement for, for a green flag. And that's the biggest thing is just basically getting back to race pace, you know, being like, man, I, I kind of forgot, you know, like what that felt like and yada, yada, and this and that. And no, it's good though. I mean, we've, we've been putting in a solid, solid, um, work. I think while we've been down here, I've got a super dialed program down here. I've got some great people I'm able to shine with, you know, I see McGill every day. He's literally at Karoom and he's kind of there and, and it's just kind of a, a checks and balance almost, you know, like I make sure I bust on him. He busts on me. And when we'll go out and free ride, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you're always trying to up your buddy and you're also there to kind of like talk each other out of it. Like him and I look at some stuff and I'm like, buddy, what do you think? He's like, I don't know, buddy. I don't know if I want to hit that today. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to hit that either. And we'll come back to it eventually. But some days we're like, no, we're not, not feeling that today. And we're able to just kind of go out and, and I mean, the free riding that McGill and I do is, is some of the gnarliest stuff. And we've got some other super great guys down here, you know, Jay Shadron, who is, uh, who used to race XC1 and uh, stepped away for a couple of years. He's back in XC2 now. We've got Dylan Walraven, who's also in XC2. Uh, Trey Warner's here as well. And uh, we've had the Stewart boys, uh, Stewart brothers were down here as well. And, you know, there's just in just a massive group of guys that kind of come and go at Kroom. And I mean, it's, you know, it's awesome. Like we were out there today and we ended up seeing Jared McClure and Kate Osborne pulled in and, and we waved at them. And, you know, I mean, it's uh, Florida's becoming the Mecca for, for East coast rippers and it's good. You know, I mean, I, um, I definitely feel that it, it, it takes some time to build a good foundation. And I think we've got a super solid foundation and I'm, I'm excited to come into round one and, and get this party started. Well, you didn't necessarily answer all of my question. Okay. The, the, the gist of it is about chasing down Walker Fowler is no small feat. Oh, okay. And yet Cole Richards, Rich, is it Richardson? Richardson, yep. Yep. Cole, I've heard great things about him as becoming an up-and-comer and a super-fast kid. And um, – God, why can't I think of the other gentleman's name? Bryson. Bryson, Bryson Neal. Yes, Bryson's coming off. He'll be fast. I've got, well, I'll, I'll answer your question with a question, Leonard. How do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. That's right. <laughs> you got to learn to walk before you, you got to learn to crawl before you can walk. Well, you already know how to crawl, buddy, and I'm sure you're walking now because you're, you're running the two plate and you've won some races. So that puts you, I mean, I don't know how seasoned of a pro you are. Um, You could be very seasoned and be very young. You could be seven, eight years in and still be learning at a, at a, at a slower rate. Um, That's why I posed the question to you in the such a way that I did, because I can only base what I hear I don't get to see it. And yep. I hear great things about the guys behind you. And seven times means seven times. So true. Um, and I know that your mechanic believes in you because I've talked to him about your abilities. Um, do, do you, do you get to train with Walker at all? Do you have any conversations with Walker? Oh yeah. I talked to Walker. I, uh, I talked to him, I, I talked to him enough, you know, to where I'd say we, we don't text weekly, but you know, we'll text probably once a month or so. And, uh, but I go out and I'll, I'll um, I get to ride with Walker when, when we break race bikes in because, uh, Walker's mechanic is my mechanic, Mark Notman, absolutely phenomenal dude. You know I mean? He's, he's got those Yamaha's dialed. He's also Johnny G's mechanic. And 
you know, I mean, we'll go out, r- break race bikes and I'll go out there on a Monday and we'll, and I'll be able to ride with Walker on a Monday. And then I'll usually bring a practice bike and I'll ride with Walker, you know, say Tuesday, Wednesday before a GNCC. And then we'll go to the GNCC and, and we'll race together. And the funny part is that like when we're out at Walker's house, you know, him and I are kind of like putting, putting in our laps and stuff like that, like kind of cat mouse style. And then at the GNCC, it feels familiar because, you know, you, you've ridden it all week and it doesn't even really feel like a race. You know, you're kind of just out there putting in, putting in the laps and then it's like, okay, oh, it's time to go now. And Walker will kind of like drop the hammer and then I'm like, oh, okay, we're dro- we're doing this now, buddy. Oh, okay, great. And then we go, go from there. And that's just kind of the biggest, biggest thing is just being able to be, be ready to go when it's time to go. Do you think that your strategy differs from his that much? Um, you know, I truly don't know. Walker, Walker's got phenomenal first lap speed. You know, he likes to try and get out front and get a good little cushion built up. And I kind of, you know, I'm one of those that'll just kind of like latch on and just, just be there. Like I'll just be there the whole day long and we'll just wear you down till it's, till it's last lap or closing in. And that's when we'll, we'll go for it is, is just being there, be, try to be there at the end because you never know what'll happen. Those last laps, I mean, are truly chaos in a GNCC. There's so much going on. You know, lappers and other classes, they're, they're absolutely exhausted. I mean, they're coming on two hour, a two hour race and it's, it's the most they've ridden in the last two weeks. You know, like last time they rode was at the last race and they're, you're trying to get out of your way and they might make a mistake. And you've got two other guys that are 20 seconds behind you that are closing and you're closing on the leader. And it's just, there's so much going on that you can make a mistake and go from first to sixth. you know, like, I mean, that, and, and that's, and that's realistic how, how it was, um, a couple rounds a year, you know, three, four rounds a year. I mean, one through six or one through seven, you could put a blanket over them. And that's one of the biggest things is just being there. And, and it's a learning curve. Like you have to learn with all of it. I had to take the learning curve. Uh, the one that stands out in my mind was 2019, the general phenomenal TV episode to watch. You know I mean? Um, I think Chris Borch and I passed each other four or five times that day. And then, you know, we ended up pulling them to the front and literally one through seven, were within six seconds of each other, just going back and forth, back and forth. I ended up, you know, I, I was the new kid on the block. Then I ended up getting the short end of the stick there. I ended up uh, seventh. And that was just because I, I literally got swallowed up by the, by the, by the big sharks. You know, they were there. I was the young one and they just, they just knew better racecraft race lines at the end of the race. And they were able to capitalize much quicker than, than I could. And it was, it was a massive learning day. And, and it's one of those things that you have to experience it before you can, before you can replicate it. And that's the biggest thing is just being able to do it. And, you know, we, we got the second one out of the way and they say the second one's way harder than the first. So it's looking like green pastures from here. So do you think that your strategy is built during the race, not before the race? I mean, I come into every race with, with a plan of attack, but, but it's a loose plan of attack. You know I mean? It's not like a, it's not a set where I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to get the whole shot. I'm going to lead, you know, two laps. I'm going to let somebody else lead a lap. And then I'm going to pass them at the seven and I'm going to win. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like that, but if it could be, it'd be such an easy, such an easier job. And uh, it's, it's a loose plan of attack, but it's definitely, we don't, you know, if you don't plan, if, if you don't plan for success and you're planning to fail. Exactly. So how do you keep yourself relaxed and calm beings that you are always wound so tight and oh i'm not no. <laughs> you're revving you're, you're revving wide open all the time i won't even sugarcoat it no we uh we definitely aren't um uh it's it's a task for a lovely woman by the name of denise hatch her husband steve used to race motorcycles professionally 
And uh, she's basically my mental mental coach, and she she has the job of of walking me off the ledge every now and then when when we're up there just teeter tottering back and forth, going a million miles an hour. She, uh, she we've done some serious great work within the last year and a half to get me to where it was just just clean, clear cut thoughts that I've been able to comprehend and, and go from there with. And and that's what I enjoy is being able to be just a set, uh, basically becoming as she describes. You got to go from being putty to a rock. You know, you got to be got to be solid in the day to day and not get you know, not get shaken when, when you're stirred. And that means when you get a bad start or you've made, had a lapper rider knock you off course, you just get your focus back. Right. Back in the race. Yep. Yeah. Basically she tells me that we just have to just keep breathing and, you know, just, just pull your head together and, and push forward and, and it works, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing the the conversations we've had, how she's been able to really kind of focus me in and, and make it a lot easier for me to see, see the line, if you will, that we, we want to take. When you say see the line, well, let me ask you this, because I'm not a woods racer. I've only mm-hmm. been to a few. Um, I would probably hit the first tree that I came to. Um, I mean, I hit a tree today in practice, drove right into the thing, came out of a berm, jumped square into the thing, hit it dead center, literally. I mean, I jumped literally right into it, that Leonard, square onto the thing. And that's just the normal thing. That's it's normal, you know. I was like, bro, bro, and I was like, oh, we're into the berm. Okay, yep, tree. And I was like, <laughs> and I laugh about it. You, you just laugh about it. You're like, there's a tree. <laughs> I laugh about it now. You were probably laughing at the given as it was coming closer and closer. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I was like, oh man. I was like, well, I blew that berm. I was like, oh, there's a tree. And I just kind of bump it. You just kind of tap it. Well. Some of the smaller saplings you can run over. Oh, they'll snap right off. Oh, yeah. We uh, we know exactly how big of a tree you can break off, and this one was a little too big, and we just kind of bumped right in. I mean, I barely even took any bark off the thing. I just kind of, like, bumped it. Okay. All right. Yep. That, that's that's kind of the what I was going to ask about is is the trees. And that, that course layout or the tree style that you deal with changes from race to race to race correct yes yes absolutely so if you're in in say an area like big buck where you're in a lot of pine the pine are more forgiving up to a certain size i mean once you get to a certain size no trees are going to move but pine trees are generally much less dense than say if you get an oak or a cherry or some or a hardwood because they're a pine is a softwood so i mean you can run into a pine and it'll it'll snap right off where with like an oak or a cherry or something like that, you know, they can be the same size as a pine that you would have snapped off, but you'll hit it and it'll basically just kind of either not stop you, but it'll, it'll give you a pretty good uh, whip slap to the back of the head. And that hurts, you know, like if you've never had a sapling come over your chest protector and helmet and slap you in the back, then, well, you, you don't know what it's, you don't know what woods racing is about because that's definitely something you feel. Is it basically like you'll, you'll run the sapling over and it kind of, it's like a whip. So it basically will come down slap and come back and just whip your back and leave just massive bruise lines right down the side where your chest protector wasn't. Ouch. Yeah. It's okay. I don't yeah. want to... <laughs> You're like, no, I'm good. No, thanks. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not going to come race, race woods anytime soon. <laughs> I'll let those, I'll, I'll bring the guys out there and work with them and let them do it. And I'll just, yeah, that's, that's what you need to do. Just that's way easier. It's way safer that way too. Right. I, I am not gonna, I'm, I, I'm not going to get out there with you guys. If that's okay. If, if you don't mind. Ah, uh, it's it's all right. It's all right. Let, let me ask you this question: Does Mark ever go ride with you guys? Oh yeah, yeah. Mark will come out every now and then. He actually races the Heartland Challenge in Iowa, the ten hour. Yeah. All right. And yep. have you Mark, raced that as well? 
I did. Yeah. So I actually wasn't on their team. It's uh, usually the team uh, that Mark's on is Mark uh, Walker Fowler and Johnny Gallagher. They're on the fly racing GBC WFR team is their team. And then this year I was actually on the, the Stuart boys racing team, or it was actually, excuse me, action off road was our team. And it was myself, Josh Merritt and John Glada. And we ended up winning the overall this year, right. which was pretty exciting. First time out for us. Well, that, that means you're making huge progress in the cross country world, winning the Heartland challenge, you know, getting your second victory. Well, let's get into prediction time. Okay. Let's, how do you think round one is going to break down for you? Man, that's, that's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting egg to crack. I, uh, I truly don't know. I think it'll be good. You know, it all depends, depends on, on the weather a lot, you know, cause it can either, it can snow there with how early it is in the year, but, um, I think it'll be good. I think a lot of people will be, will be hungry to go. And I think that there'll be a couple, couple surprises, but I think that a lot of it'll be just, you know, familiar faces will be there and, and they'll be ready to go. It really takes till about round three, round four for everything to get settled in and, and people to be going into the groove like they're used to. What, what happens if it snows? No, oh, man. Oh, it's, it's cold. I mean, we've, uh, they've, they've canceled it once before here for the early on in the year. And they, they rarely do that, but they have done that before. And, um, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely cold, you know, snow is no fun to, to ride in. You know, I've, I've did that back when I was in New York during the winters and it's, it's brutal. You know I mean? You're cold, you're wet, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a chilly one. So they've canceled it because of the snow or they canceled it because of the cold. They canceled it because it was, it was flooded. So it rained a ton. It, they got like eight inches of rain and the property was absolutely flooded. So we ended up going, that's the only reason they'll cancel a race over here on the East coast is for big, massive rain. If it's going to be such an issue to get people in, get people out, you know, that's, that's when they'll actually cancel the events instead of anything other than that. So if it doesn't rain, but it does snow, you guys could still race. We'll be there. We'll be there and freezing. We'll be there making snowmen. What would be the difference in your chassis setup for a dry race versus a snow race? Uh, very minimal. We won't change much. Um, up north in the winter races, you're allowed to stud the tires, but for the GNCCs, that's not that's not an option. Which wouldn't wouldn't be good anyways because you'd be in such a slop slop mess that the, the studs only really work well when it's iced over. Like once the ground freezes, that's when the studs really, really play off. But um, I mean, if it's super wet, we'll sometimes raise, raise ride height a little bit, stiffen the shocks just a little to compensate for the extra weight that's on the bikes. But, you know, lower the tire pressure a little bit to get a little more traction and stuff like that versus in the dry, you'd raise it up a little. So you got a little more slide instead of the, the hook and catch and throw. But I mean, truly we don't change too, too much going from wet to dry or dry to wet or, or wet to sand and, and stuff like that. Do you run a different uh, handguard? Yes, we will. So if it, if it gets real cold, we'll run what are called uh, mafia mitts, which are what Adam McGill's mom makes there. Basically you put your hands in and they keep them drier and warmer than just the conventional plastic handguards. Kind of like a snowmobile setup? Yes. Just like a snowmobile one. Yep. Just like a snowmobile one. So if you keep your hands in there, for the whole time, you're going to be dry and have no issue. But if you dry ish, other than when you have to pull for roll offs, that's the only, when you pull your hand out of there, it gets covered, so on and so forth. And then if you get stuck, then you're, you're out of luck, but it does, the rear tires do throw a decent amount of mud and stuff like that into the hand guards every now and then as well. 
Oh, so you're never going to stop it from, from no, it's, it's never going to be a perfect solution. It's, it's an improvised on, on a, uh, cold, cold day. Is the inside fur or is it just, uh, no, no, it's, it's just like, uh, oh, it's, it's like a, um, like a mesh almost like a mesh that's just wrapped around. There's, oh, there's, uh, there's not too much to it. I mean, they basically are just mesh and you kind of insert your hand into them and then you're just, they're drier. It's, it's better than having nothing basically. So there's three options. You can run just the regular plastic hand guard. You can run what I prefer to run a lot of the time, which are called, el- we call them elephant ears. They're basically the big floppy black things that go in the front that you just kind of zip tie in. And then the mafia mitts will actually uh, bolt those into the hand guard so that they stay on there as well. Well, that's, that's good to know. That's something that I didn't know. We used to take um, simple green jugs or yep, nine jugs that. and cut them up and make just big old giant uh cavities for your hands to go in um that's what we used to do all the time yeah so that's kind of what these are like but these are these are definitely a little little cleaner than those were well yeah you know you zip ties duct tape and figure it out you know i mean zip ties duct tapes and dreams yeah dreams hopes and dreams always always got to have hopes and dreams that's right you told me that your package uh, was pretty much exactly the same as it was last year with, with little to no change. Um, did any of your sponsors or any of the package at all change? Um, you know, not, not too, too much. Nothing really, uh, really changed other than we brought on P3 carbon, which they're making some, some super rad carbon parts right now. They've got, uh, I've been testing a set of carbon mud plugs from them. We haven't broke one yet. Uh, they're making rear mud plates as, or rear, um, what are they called rear number plates and we've got some other super cool stuff that we're in the works of with those guys right now but other than that you know we haven't really brought any anybody else on um a lot of people were happy with the program last year and they wanted to stay on board for this year well that's awesome i i like the fact that you're so confident in your package and your sponsors that you don't want to change it that's that's a yeah good. yeah no it's 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 a big uh trust thing you know they they treat me well and and I like to like to stay with people that have, that have been there since, you know, the beginning. I mean, man, some of them, some of the sponsors were going on almost 10 years now. Uh, Quad Tech was one of my, one of my first ever like outside sponsors of my mom and my dad. Uh, they, they came on board in 2013 and uh, you know, next year we'll, we'll be, we'll be on a full decade of Quad Tech. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That that's is pretty so cool. Awesome. Yeah. That, that's great. <clears throat> what, uh, what's your favorite cross country course? Man, I, I love Florida. You know, I, I just spend so much time here. The track just, it, it kind of feels at home. Uh, I really enjoy Florida. Um, I enjoy a lot of, a lot of the Carolinas when the dirt gets really nice and, and chewed out. Like in Ironman, when it's, when Ironman's got a good flowy track going, I, I love Ironman. It's just faster, flowier, and it just uh, suits, suits my style pretty well. That's awesome. Who, who, yeah. who takes your videos when you're out in the woods? So I got a couple of good buddies. I've got uh, Mason Raider does a good job. Ian Howes is another one of my video guys. And then sometimes I'll just have some buddies that'll grab them as well. And, and they, uh, they do a great job as well. Do you pick the section that you want to make those videos based on something that feels good to you? Or is it just random where your buddies are just standing there and they just film it? Uh, it's partially random, but I, I definitely know a couple spots that I like, dude, that'll look so sweet. We need to capture this. And they're like, okay, let's do it. 
and uh, stuff like that is how we definitely go about it. And then we've also got some other cool sections that we try and work in as well. I, Cause I watch your videos when I, when I catch them every time. You know? Yeah, they're, they're pretty sweet. They definitely, uh, definitely some of those videos were, were sweet. Um, the ones we've been posting, we've got some other good ones that we're going to roll out soon. Uh, just, just waiting for the right time. Well, as far as cross country videos, maybe because I'm not in the loop correctly, the only two videos that I catch are yours or Bryson. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. You know, I'll have to say some of the ones I've seen of his, he's not that you're not, not on the edge, but he's mm -hmm. on the edge. Oh yeah. The Bidwell bullet. He, uh, he definitely knows how to throw down some heaters. Yeah. Well, you're, you are right there too. Um, the last one you posted when you had the yellow fenders on, mm -hmm. you made that section no problem. I mean, cause it looked like with all those trees and as fast as you were going, that you were, you weren't going to make it. Oh yeah. That's, that's normal. That's, that's, that's the daily stuff right there. That's the practice track. All right. Well, I, I mean, I can only tell you what I'm seeing and you're hauling ass dude. Cause that's, Oh yeah. Do that four or five times a day. You know, you'll, you'll get real comfortable with those trees. You know exactly where they are. That's incredible, man. I'm looking for big things from you this year. Um, I'm a fan and I'm rooting for you. Not that I'm rooting against any of the other guys, uh, you know, because I've really enjoyed the conversations I've had with Walker. Um, <clears throat> most of the XC guys, um, you, Johnny Gallagher, Josh Merritt, and, and Walker are the only ones that uh, seem to want to promote yourselves. So um, we'll just keep blowing you up as big as we can hey. to help you out. Absolutely enjoy being on the show. You know, it's, it's fun to be able to sit down, talk a little bit, break down the week, and just see kind of how far we've come since, uh, <coughs> since uh, the last time we talked. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's always fun to be, be able to get, get on here, talk with you, and just help, help grow the brand and myself and promote all of my amazing sponsors. Well, that's, that's what we're here for, dude. I really enjoy it. And as always, I'm going to extend the, uh, the invitation to come back. Um, I believe you guys go round one, round two, round three, pretty close together. Yes. So our round one is February 19th. Our round two is two weeks after that. And then that's round two is in Florida. And then round three is in Georgia, just one week after Florida. And then we go back to South Carolina two times. And then we head north to Indiana. Well, let's try to catch up after round three. Absolutely. Count me in. Because I want to get your breakdown on how the first three rounds went. And uh, I really want to know how that first turn goes this year for you on round one. Absolutely. It'll be great. Let's um, let's do that. And hopefully I can get a surprise guest to come on with me. One of, one of the boys from down here. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would love to, I would love to do that because having uh, somebody to talk to as well to get a different perspective of it. I mean, yours is great, but always a different uh, angle is, is, is a good thing. And it breaks up the conversation, you know? Oh, for sure. It makes it so much more exciting. You know, you've got a three, three-sided uh, cube instead of a two-sided piece of paper. Well, I like to let you talk because we're talking about you. We're talking about things that you love to do. And, um, like I said, I'm expecting great things out of you. So just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused and uh, tell your coach she is doing an amazing job with you. Hey, as always, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. And uh, it was sweet. You know, I'm glad to be back on. Well, thank you very much.
The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.